Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Purpose Podcast. My name is Haas Rauscher. Goal of this podcast is to help men find and fulfill their purpose. I'm going to help them be good, strong leaders, good, strong men, good male role models in their communities. I'm going to do that by having conversations, going to invite guests on. I'm going to ask our guests, what is your purpose? What do you think your purpose ought to be? How did you find that purpose? And what do you do every single day? How do you get up, get after it, and go and fulfill that purpose? Uh, today, I've got a pretty cool guy on. His name is Layman Durbin. He's with an Instagram channel called The Boys. I believe he's got Instagram and YouTube. Uh, Layman and I don't really know each other very well, as is with uh, most guests. We spent a couple minutes talking uh, before the recording, but I ran into him. Uh, he actually had a, uh, I guess it was kind of an Instagram live with um, a dude that I guess not even worth mentioning his name as far as I'm concerned, but um about a conversation pretty unrelated to what we're going to be talking about today. But um, I saw him and I said, Hey, this guy seems decent. I think I saw a wedding ring in one of his Instagram videos. And I said, well, if he's married, hopefully it's happily. Um, and if he is, then we'll have him on to talk to the boys. Uh, my boys, not his voice. Uh, Layman, how are you doing today? I'm good, brother. You doing all right? Yes, sir. I'm doing very well. I do have one important question. I told you that it was going to be like, you know, what is your purpose and all that stuff first and some rapid fire, but you've got to tell me, your uh your instagram name is the boys where did that come from so the so the instagram name is actually bano diff uh we it was a different name and i don't want to say it anymore just uh because it started out as an inside joke between me and a couple of the, the guys that i served with okay uh, so we changed it to to band so that's bravo alpha november and then the 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 number zero and then div for division okay. um and and the the nickname kind of just became the boys um and and really what it was the the guys that clicked up with me and that i clicked up with in in the infantry um obviously we knew everybody that was in our unit almost but the the guys that we really clicked with we all had very very similar mindsets even though we were different in so many ways and um it just it really became a a, a tribe mindset um, and it just became like, oh, there's the boys again, you know, that, yeah. that's the boys right there. Um, and that's just kind of, it kind of just stuck. So whenever we, we decided that we were going to finally, after years of, of talking about doing a content page, uh, we were just like, yo, let's just, let's just name it that. And then we can just have the nickname, the boys, you know, and that's just kind of where it comes from. So nothing really cool, nothing, nothing like GBRS or nothing like that. Just a bunch of autistic monkeys having a good time and deciding to bring <laughs> good time to the internet <laughs> yeah big chimp energy as admin results likes to say um so you've got to tell me what gbrs stands for because i don't know i don't i don't even know man i just know dj shipley likes to post it everywhere and and they got that hydra mount that you know is <laughs> i guess useful i've had some questions about it but i haven't got hands on with it so honestly you know what, i don't you know what really irritates me is when i see people like at the gym or something like that wear a real high speed shirt, like a GBRS group, whatever it is. Like, um, there's another group that it's like, it, it's, it, it's a bunch of like really high speed stuff. And they're not even carrying a gun at the gym. That pisses me off. Like they're, they ain't got a backpack with them or anything. And, you know, I've seen their belt line and I'm like, how are you going to wear something high speed like that? And, or they'll have like the, there's a guy that he's got a skull with nods, um, a tattoo on his calf and like, he doesn't carry a gun. And I'm like, what a, what a poser, you know? Um, there's there's, there's a lot of that, you know, it, and, but it's, it's one of those things where I kind of look at it. Um, I, I look at it like you do, but then yeah. I also, I also think that the, 
I don't know, man. It's one of those things to where I think a lot of people, they might be just ignorant as to like the house, like the, the amount of people that I know that conceal carry, but don't understand the difference between like, uh, an inside the waistband holster and an outside the waistband holster. Um, or like even what a her claw is, I, I'd say, I'd say a lot of it comes from, from ignorance combined with wanting to be a badass. And, and I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to be a badass. Um, but I think that we should always search for more knowledge so we can actually complete that badassery. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I, I'd say that's, a, I'd say that's what a lot of it is. Uh, you know, they, they have that, they have that want and they obviously have the drive because they're at the gym. Um, but maybe they're just lacking in, in some knowledge as to how they could do it. You know, cause when I, when I'm at the gym, um, you know, it, it, back in the day when I had a subcompact, I would, I would put it in a, uh, in a fanny pack kind of thing. Yeah. Look, look gay is all I get out, but you, you ain't going to rob me. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and I may be, it may be a little bit, I know for a fact it's a little arrogant for me to think like that because I guarantee you they're looking over there at me and they see me in my little backpack and they're like, I bet he's got a gun in there, but I bet he couldn't run to go kill the shooter for nothing, you know, for nothing. Like this guy doesn't even do cardio. He's fucking 300 pounds or something. So I'm not 300 pounds anymore, but um, no, like they could definitely turn it back on me, but I, it still does. It still is kind of irritating when like they'll wear, they'll wear wear, like something high speed and it's like, dude, you're not like, you're not even carrying it. It's just frustrating, but, uh, and I, I autistic monkey, man. <laughs> and, <laughs> I missed most of what you said. So go ahead. We're talking over one another. What did you say? All I heard was autistic monkey, which maybe was the whole point, but yeah, that's all. That's all it was. Oh, cool. Cool. Autistic monkey. That, that'll be the name of this episode. Um, I'm down. <laughs> autistic monkey. Uh, <laughs> um, all right, man. So I've got some rapid fire questions. You and I have built up a little bit of rapport. Um, yeah. but, uh, so, uh, rapid fire question. Number one is what is your favorite concealed carry? Well, I only have one in terms of what I actually possess to carry. Um, but so I don't get slayed by the internet for any potential bias. Um, I would, if anybody was looking for advice, if, if, you know, I don't know, that's not the question you asked. Uh, my, my personal carry is a P320 X carry. Um, I, I, I've, Oh, that's going to explode on you. Better not drop it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but for anyone firing gun. Yeah. Um, and on a side note on that, if anyone can actually, for any of these cases to where the gun just magically fires, if they can objectively prove or objectively recreate on that same pistol, um, that malfunction happening, I'll believe it. But until then, I just keep seeing dumb shit like people putting their guns in a purse and wondering why it went the fuck off. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, but um, for anyone that might be listening that might have, you know, might be looking for advice on it or just my opinion, I'd say that the highest quality firearm that you can afford to get that you would actually trust your wife to defend herself when you're not home. I think that's a good baseline for yeah. I carry because um, I think it was Tim Heron. I'm not sure if it was Tim or somebody else, uh, but they, they said essentially um, every gunfight in the real world is open division. Yeah. Um, you know, what whatever you bring with you is what you got. So if you decide to carry, you know, um, and I'm going to take a play out of his book again, like a, a Ruger LCP, um, that's fine, but that's what you got, you know, and, and I think you have to understand that. So I think that the highest quality firearm that you can get um, that you can actually conceal, uh, which means having a good gun built, a good holster, stuff like that. Um, you know, you should, you should do it. So I, I don't think that, for sure. I don't think that people should get, um, I don't think people should get too wrapped up 
with with brands and all that as long as they know that they're buying a reputable brand and that they train with it i think that's the most important thing for sure i dig uh i've got two sigs i think sig just really has the market cornered for value um and i think everybody thinks that they go off i, I don't think that's true i think they had a, a drop issue i mean they were able to recreate that but yep, i carry an yep. m18 and none of the, none of the 365s have ever had that issue um the x macro looks like a really good gun for the price um, but my next would probably be a Walther, especially for a full size. Um, those PDPs are slick. Um, yeah, they are. They're slick. And then Smith and Wesson's got some good guns. I'm slowly warming up to Smith and Wesson. I like them. Um, they're flannel daddy approved, uh, grand thumb for those that don't know. Um, but I think Glock, I think Glock just rips people off. Like, I'm sorry, but, um, do they run? Yeah, they run, but so does a Smith and Wesson. So does a Walther. And despite what people think, so does a 320. And you get yep. more, I mean, you don't even get night sights on a standard Glock, I don't think. Like, I don't even think the 19X has night sights on it, does it? Well, see, so I kind of have, I think I think Glock is one of those, um, one of those test of time pistols. I think that they're one of those things. Like, so on the, uh, you know, I'm not sure about the night sight issue, but I know that me personally, I don't put a lot of emphasis on night sights because I have a, um, um, I have a different thought process on it. Um, the only time that I've seen night sights, and, and again, this isn't real world, this is just in training. The only time I've seen night sights really be a, a real big help is if you're in a dark area and you're aiming into a bright area and you don't want to expose your position by igniting a white light. Uh, because if you're, if you're aiming into a dark area and you, and you ignite that white light, it essentially washes out, um, the, the, the you know, the, the fiber optic tritium, whatever the site is using. Um, but with, with Glocks in general, I, I think that if, if somebody wants, like, say, for example, someone doesn't know much about guns and they come to me and I know that they're going to want, um, to actually go full on with like getting a proper gun belt, good proper holster, stuff like that. I think Glock is always the easy, reliable option to tell somebody because the aftermarket support is completely there for it. You know, they've standed the test of time. There's nothing, nothing really special to them. You know, um, there's definitely yeah. There's pistols out there with better triggers, better sights. Um, but I think what Glock has to offer is, uh, again, they're kind of just that that easy go-to option. They, they're they're kind of like the – they're kind of just the standard for a pistol that's going to work whenever you don't know what to tell somebody um, that doesn't know about a lot of guns, if that makes sense. No, I, uh, I completely agree. And if we're talking about like a decent used Glock, I'm all down. Um, you know, it, I don't know, man. It's just when you're looking at like – it's 650, 650, and I understand the, the practicality of night sights. Like, I've never used them, but um, it's just, like, the principle of the matter, man. You know, like, yeah. it's just the I, principle of the matter at, at the price. I, like, I don't like how they come with plastic sights. Um, I, I I don't like that. I've, I've seen, uh, random note, I've seen more iron sights fail than, than quality optics on, on pistols and on, on rifles, but I especially with, like, the plastic block sights, I've seen them bend and chip and stuff like that just from um just basic shooting and you know just stuff like that or <clears throat> yeah i think you i think you nailed it for a used glock i think that's a really hard product to beat because i've seen used glocks go for like 300 350 um yeah. and yeah, i've never seen a used p320 go that cheap you know just for a yeah. random you know yeah well and i think if you can get an mp i mean and that's the that's really the sad part um is you know i'm a, I'm a sig guy so it's a lot more difficult to make the case for a sig versus a glock on the price front but you know to like an m&p there's there's like no case to be made for the glock when you're if you're buying like a full-size handgun 
to me there's just like hardly any case to a glock because nobody's had complaints about mps failing like um there's solid guns and they're i'm pretty sure they're like much less than a glock um i think maybe like at least 100 bucks aren't they i was gonna say i'm not i'm sure i do know that the one thing the glock does have too is maybe like if someone was uh was like really big into uh prepping right because you know glock mags are are everywhere i'd say that's maybe one um or you know department stuff i know a lot of departments are opening up their um their their array of what they allow and what they don't allow uh for pistols so i see i see the mmp 2.0 actually a lot in kentucky and here in north carolina um so i think that glock is kind of not having that strong of a hold on the market anymore like they used to um but i you know and it's weird because like i really don't like glock but i feel like i'm sitting here defending them a lot but (laughs) no i I I, I hate glock so I just feel like they're not going to go anywhere. You know, they've already yeah. got their established themselves, but I would like to see them not just release the same pistol every single year. I would. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> no, and I don't. Uh... Look at this thing. This thing just flew right at me. Wow. He's got a little June bug there. He's sitting outside. Um, He's roughing it outside for those of us. that We don't really do a video podcast, but what even is that? Is that like a cicada or something? Yeah, I'm about to eat his ass. That's funny. You know, they so, tell the Marines to fuck with the wildlife. Tell them not to fuck with me. <laughs> That's funny, man. So, yeah, no, and to clarify, I don't hate Glock. I think they're cool. But, yeah, no, it, it's always it's always an issue. And even, like, a Beretta, honestly, like, uh, they're they're a little bit pricier, but I like the Beretta 92 or 93, too. Um, yeah. <laughs> you uh, you dig? Oh, dude. the uh, Especially the, the Langdon Tacticals. Uh, one of my oh, – yeah. Those those are beautiful. My buddy Tyler Tharp, um, he runs Synergy Training. He's a he's a phenomenal dude. He um he got a I don't know if it was a Langdon or what. He did, he just got a new Beretta a couple months ago, and boy is is it beautiful, bro. But it's way out of my price. <laughs> so you uh you follow uh U.S. Gunbucker, right? Jeff Menzer with yeah. uh, UGB, dude. Yeah. I love it. It's, sorry, we're because of the the phone. It, I, I think because of the phone, it's cutting us off a little bit. So. Um, I think whenever I talk, it, it mutes your mic. So just be careful on that. But um, I'll try to be careful on it too. But uh, he's got this setup. Have you seen his spider killing setup with the nine millimeter rat shot? No, dude. He's got a he's got a Beretta ninety three. I think it's got a dot on it. Um, he's got a Beretta ninety three with a can uh, and a dot, and he runs rat shot through it, and he'll shoot spiders um, with that in inside his warehouse. So he's got like, and he it's so much. It's so funny. Cause he'll have like crates of ammo sitting there. Um, mm-hmm. he'll have crates of ammo sitting there and this big ass, like grass spider walks up in his concrete and he's got like concrete shop floors. And then it just shows his big ass hand, like into the frame with that Beretta and pointing at the spider. And then he just blows the spider to fucking oblivion with nine millimeter rat shot. Um, I'm not even kidding you. That's funny. I'll, uh, yeah, I'll, after this, I'll send you, he's, he's my favorite Instagrammer. I, I wish to God I could get him on a podcast. Um, he's so cool. His Christmas thing that he does is, uh, so damn cool. I don't know if you've seen that, but he, he dresses up like Santa yeah. and takes uh, a bunch of gifts to the kids. His wife's awesome. Um, I wish I could get him on a pod. I've done everything I can to try to get him on. Um, Have you, but, like, you've sent him, you've sent him some messages and tagged him and stuff. Austin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've sent him in a couple messages. I, I, I feel weird tagging people like, hey, be on my podcast. But I've sent him some messages and uh, I tried to call his office number, which um, probably wasn't great. But I mean, 
it's a UGB. So, I mean, it was his work number, like not a personal number. So, um, but no, we'll see. I've sent him an email or two. Uh, and it's funny. I try. <laughs> yeah. We'll, uh, we'll talk later offline on, on some of the ways that I try to get a hold of him just cause he, he's so funny. Like he's got his, his little slang and all that, that, uh, I just, I'd rather not say on here, but, um, yep. no, uh, it's cool. But anyway, man, I think we have, uh, we've got plenty of, uh, the autistic monkey gun talk as you like to call it. Um, yep. let's, uh, let's move on to the more serious stuff. Let's, uh, not that that's not serious stuff, but what is your purpose, Mr. Layman? I'd say my purpose is to figure it out because okay. I, I honestly don't know yet. Awesome, man. No, I actually like that. That's creative and that's honest. Um, your purpose is to figure it out. So figure out your purpose is kind of. Yeah. Um, to, to elaborate on that, I've, I've always had a sense of, a uh, sense of duty and I've always felt like I've always, you know, I relate stuff back to faith and, and God and I've, never questioned his existence i've never gotten mad at god and i and i mean these things truly i I never have questioned and i never have gotten mad at him but i have been frustrated at times and again not at him but i've been frustrated at myself for not being able to either succeed in every task that he gives me um like i genuinely get very upset with myself when i succumb to sin no matter how big or small and i genuinely get very upset with myself whenever I fail just at, at, at anything in life that I know is is meant to be a, a, a test to my moral character because I know that he gave me talents and I know that he gave me potential and I know that he gave me drive and discipline and, and motivation and stuff but I have not been able to find somewhere something that really lets me do it and in, in a way that I know will make him proud and and that and that right there irks at me so so when i say i don't know i I, my 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 goal and my purpose is to figure it out i really mean that i I don't know what it is but i know that i will one day but for right now i just keep praying keep my head down and and working to try to find it you know yeah man Uh, i i i empathize with that a lot um it was you know i asked the question because uh in my opinion it's a fairly good one um and it's one that you know me and my buddies have struggled with uh, quite often. Um, and so I, I, I feel that angst too. Um, or, you know, I, I used to, um, I used to feel it quite a bit and I still do on some days when I'm not getting my stuff done, when I feel like I'm not fulfilling my purpose. Um, I felt that angst quite a bit. And I think that a lot of this, this is just me theorizing. This is me doing pop psychology, um, that I'm not anywhere close to qualified to do uh, much more qualified <laughs> than the, the dipshit psychologist that you had on your Instagram the other day, but yeah, that dude was um, a trip. Yeah, no, that's all I'll say about it. But um, psychology. One moment he said that he was a psychologist and went to college for it. I was like, well, there's your problem. Um, <laughs> that, that's the 100 percent of the problem right there. But um, anyway, uh, <laughs> I uh, a little bit of pop psychology, but I think a lot of this mental health crisis that um, young men are going through is, has a lot to do with that angst, um, that angst of not knowing where their efforts need to be pointed towards. Um, I've seen it a lot with me. I've seen it a lot with my buddies, uh, and especially without the anchoring of faith, you know, a lot of these kids don't have an anchoring in, in faith or, or Christ or anything like that. Um, that I think that's where a lot of it comes from. And so I completely empathize with you on that feeling of just trying to figure it out. Um, mm-hmm. so give me, give me a couple ways that 
Oh man. Um, tell me a little bit about what you're doing right now. I know you got a wife. I know you got a kid. Um, you're, you're working the, um, as the nine to five, as we call it, tell me a little bit about what you're doing right now and kind of how you got to this position. So as, uh, as we established, I, I did my contract, uh, as a, as an O three eleven. you know, wasn't a super cool guy or nothing like that. Just basically go three eleven. Uh, nobody can do the infantry like the O threes. And I, I, I truly believe that. And I take a lot of pride in, in the fact that I was an O three. And not only that, that I, I earned my leadership billets while I was there. Um, well, near the end of my contract, I ended up getting a, uh, um, a med board for some back injuries that I received. And during that time, I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll go ahead and touch on this. During that time was whenever all the COVID, uh, vaccine mandates came down and <clears throat> I have a legitimate religious issue and, um, with the vaccine and for anyone that might be wondering every single one of those vaccines and this is mainstream easy to verify information could not have been made without abortion being a legal thing to do during the TNE or R&D process of each one out of the own researchers mouths third parties government research and independent research every single one of them came from three or four different specific abortions and if I still had the paperwork at my hand, which I have it inside the house because I had to put forth an exemption that was this thick, um, they did not put. You'll hear a myth that those that those aborted cells are inside of the vaccine. That's not true. What they did was is they created essentially cousin cells of those cells so they could use those to replicate and test vaccine these specific vaccines. Not every vaccine does that, but these did. So in in my faith, there's very little things you can do worse than, than harm an innocent child. Right. And when I, when I learned that information, I realized we all sin, but the goal is, is to not willingly sin. So I put forth a religious accommodation. Now, sure. I have political reasons for not getting it, but I can't argue that. And against the, the UCMJ, I can argue a constitutional first amendment violation, however. So, I put this through, and this will all make sense here in a moment. Um, so I put that in, and this was when I knew that they were setting up my med board stuff. Um, so I put that through, and pretty quickly I received a denial. And it was very obvious that the denial was um, typed out prior to <laughs> yeah. um, my accommodation. It was just a blanket no, um, you're not you're not doing that. And well, I, I prayed about it very heavy. And again, my packet was this thick. Uh, even even my chaplain said, I've yet to see a packet this thick because I spent the time and effort to put every single argument and counter argument. For example, um, they even hit me with this. Well, you're in the infantry. It says thou shalt not kill. It doesn't. It says thou shalt not murder. Yeah. It is the translation got lost or they didn't have the word for it. So they picked the next best thing. Murder is not justified. Killing is in the infantry. My killing is justified as long as in my heart I have the right reason for doing it. And all that type of stuff was in there. So uh, to, to move forward a little bit, they denied it and I put in a, a, an appeal. Well, my board didn't start until after the appeal went up. At that time, boards were taking about eight to 12 months and the accommodations, even the appeals were coming back within two months tops. So. What I what that meant was it was either uphold your oath to the Constitution, 
right? And and do not let we take a we take an oath to uphold against all enemies, foreign and domestic, against the Constitution, right? If I allow you to let me violate, or if yeah, if I allow you to force me to let you violate my oath, I am now an oath breaker. I don't do that, especially not to my God. And I got told multiple times, Durbin, you're fucking with your retirement. You got guaranteed benefits. You got guaranteed this. Just get the shot and shut up. And what I told mm-hmm. people, I cannot, I can never look my peers, my friends, my superiors, my wife, and my child, more importantly, and my God, I cannot look at any of them and preach that honor, courage, and commitment shit if I can't even uphold it to my oath and to my Lord. I will not give in. And by the grace of God, by the grace of God, the Navy SEALs took it to federal court, and that put the appeals being denied on hold. During that time, my board came back on the four month mark. So that's crazy. Crazy, right? And none of that's coincidence because I don't know. And I'm sure there's other people that had some very similar instances, but I don't know anyone and that I was around immediate circle that had it work out like that. And I'll tell you right now, that was probably the most stressed out I've ever been in my life because I had faith in God, but it did not look like there was a light at the end of that tunnel. I was mm-hmm. prepping to I was prepping to fully lose all my benefits, get administratively discharged not have a way to support my family because I was a sole earner. My wife was in school going to be going to school to be a teacher. We had a kid. Um, there was no way she could go to work. And I was fully prepared for that, but I was I was not ready. And and I, you know, so when that happened, man, the day I got back from the med board office to my unit, I got a phone call from our uh, battalion gunny. I don't want to say his name, but my battalion gunny, God bless that man. And he said, Durbin, he said, what's the status on your med board? And I said, it's ironic that you asked that because I just left the office and signed my paperwork. And he said, good, because headquarters Marine Corps just called me. And I said, what did they deny it? And he was like, no, they wanted to know the status. And I was just like, well, you can tell them here's the status. And immediately I went up to his office and gave him the, the copies that he needed to prove it to him. Well, long story short, I get retired. And transition was rough for me. My wife's going to school to be a teacher. So we could have moved back to Kentucky, but she would have had to have restarted her four year teacher program. And she she already did that once because, again, I joined when I was 22 years old. So she was already close to being done with that. And I told her, babe, I don't want you to sacrifice anymore. Let's finish out the rest of what you got. I'll figure out and make it work. And then I hit my transition and transition was rough for me, dude. It was it was rough as it is for everybody, you know. Yeah. So that, um, I, I, I got, I got out and I immediately started working at a, um, a, like a phone call answering agency, not like a, hello, your car, your car warranty, not one of those places. Um, but like if you call a doctor's office and they're busy, so they forward you one of those places and the money was good, but it was extremely just not fulfilling. Um, so I was just like, okay, I'm not good at this job. It's not fulfilling. I need to find something else. And Within that week, while I was thinking about it, I got like literally while I was at that place and thinking about like, man, I got to get out of here. Um, a company called GFL hit me up, which was Green for Life. It was a trash company. That trash company, I went and I immediately got hired on there. They really loved me over there. And I got hired on with a set. Um, I'm trying to think of the best way to say it. I got hired on there with them knowing that I was disabled and them knowing that there's certain stuff I just can't do. Um and I also had an agreement. You're not going to put me on the base route because they run they run trash on base on Camp Lejeune. And I said, I don't want that. Um, keep me off off base out in town. And that yeah. was that was a step. well, that boss moved. And then we got a new boss, little rich boy and um, never worked a day in his life. 
and he decided to start changing stuff up because he realized even with me being disabled, uh, me on the back of a truck by myself was working faster than what two men on the back of a truck perfectly healthy was doing. Yeah. So he put me on the base route already was not cool with that. Cause that's a lot more work on base. Cause you're not just getting trash. You're also getting literally, I mean, you've seen people in the military move out. They leave everything at the end of their fucking house. Um, well it increased my workload. Well, then I was staying out there till about eight o'clock at night and I was getting to work at five o'clock in the morning. Um, that yeah. wasn't cool. And so I told them, I said, I'm going to need some more money and I want to be moved off base cause it's killing my body, man. Like I'm already working a job that I don't, Really, I really shouldn't have, but I have no choice because of my family. Y'all agreed to keep me off, but explained all that. And they pretty much told me to eat one. And then they increased my workload more because the other drivers and, and helpers started realizing that they could kind of slack off a little bit. And then Durbin's yeah. truck, when it was done, was going to come and help. Um, so I, I, I left there and went to cookout as a manager, even though I never worked in the food industry. And, um, my a, a random disability kind of kept me from working that one very well. And that was my tinnitus. I couldn't hear the timers going off. <laughs> like <laughs> That's crazy. So like, yeah. So I got extremely frustrated because I was like, man, I can't fucking find somewhere that like I can just steadily sit here and provide for my family until we move back to Kentucky. And it was really hurtful. Like it, it actually like really, really hurt me. And as a man, like I can't display that to my wife one because you're not trying to put your stress on her. Like they look to you for stability. And as a man, we should uphold that for them. Um, and so I did, but it was also stressful and extremely just aggravating because I couldn't do anything, you know? So as I was being told by the cookout managers, Hey man, we really like you. Any future jobs you want, you can still use this as a recommendation, but um, not really working out. And I said, so you're pretty much giving me an ability to leave with dignity. Right. And they were like, yeah, yeah. essentially. As I was walking to my car, I got a text message from my current employer. And she said, hey, I saw your thing on Indeed. Would you like to come in for an interview for the detail job? And I said, yeah, for sure. Um, came in there. And from the moment, and that's, that was uh, probably November of 2022. So yeah. I've been working there ever since. And, and, you know, they've taken me in and made a home for me. And, you know, it was it was it was one of those things, and I really believe God was testing my faith through that entire time, similar to how Moses led the the Israelites out of Egypt. But yeah. then all the Israelites wondered, why the fuck have you, you know, why am I struggling for 40 years in the desert? And it was literally to build their faith, you know? Yeah. So that's that's where I'm at now, you know? No, that's awesome, man. And uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> awesome. Take that with a with a grain of salt. Um, it doesn't sound too awesome, but it sounds like you're getting some good lessons from it. Um, yeah. and that, that, that's, that's difficult, man. That's something I don't have a lot of experience with of just not being able to like, I, I can imagine just the frustration of like, you get to get to the point to where you're working, you know, food service, and then you still can't hear the timers. I can imagine how frustrating that would be. Um, uh, and you know, having to keep your faith and keep your sanity, frankly, um, to do that. Yeah. that. Well, and, and what was the main, the main frustration, man, was cause I was, I'm not tooting my horn, but I was a, I was a, I was a solid infantryman and, yeah. and I didn't, I didn't let ego fuel my decisions. Um, it's something that I prepared for my whole life and I didn't have a chip on my shoulder for it kind of being taken away from me out, away from here. I didn't have a chip on my shoulder for it kind of being stripped out from under me because yeah. the fact I understood what God allowed to happen in terms of my injury led to me being able to keep benefits for my for my family for the rest of our lives 
And I wouldn't have been able to do that if I would have just got one contract and got out healthy. So it was a, it was a curse in the sense of like, yeah, my back is never going to be straight again and, or the other stuff. But my, my, the benefits for my family is solidified and people will work 20 plus years to get the benefits that I was blessed with within one contract, you know, that's awesome. And that's the, and, and that combined with, I actually few times in a man's life, I truly believe that they get to actually get, te- you're, you're about to hear a helicopter come over. Let me know if it messes with the audio. Uh, few times in a man's life, I truly believe that they get to be tested on their principle. And whenever I got to tell the Marine Corps that I was not going to fold on my oath to the Constitution and, you know, God's grace allowed that to happen and, and play out positively. It was something that I got to walk away from that kind of replaced that that gaping hole in my heart that from from having it stripped, if that makes sense. No, I, I, I feel you very heavy on that. I, I walked away and hopefully <laughs> my current employer, I kind of just avoid it. I mean, I would tell them the same thing right now, but um, I walked away from a position um, for the same reason, uh, a pretty, pretty hefty position, a, a position that a lot of people call a retirement position um, yeah. where I live. And uh, it felt the same. I mean, it felt really good to uphold that word. You know, I told them, I said, if they, if they do pass that mandate down, I'm just going to have to go um yep. sorry no sucks to be you um and everybody told me they were like there's no way you're gonna leave this job like this is a retirement job everybody said that um they, they said it was a retirement job and that there was no way that i would actually leave it and then they passed it down and i said here's my two weeks you know sorry um and i told them for the re- you know the reason that i left was this um and it felt good to be able to uphold that and to have you know a soft place to land and kind of like you did um or kind of like you said not a soft place to land but just it, yeah. it worked it worked out you know what i'm saying um and you went you went straight from a uh you know uh that statement to an even greater test um i kind of things worked out a little bit easier for me it allowed me to to recoup a lot of my faculties i ended up gaining like 60 pounds at that job um that i walked away from um it was really unhealthy and it allowed me into a job with you know good people that um let me work that off and let me prioritize my health and all that stuff. And so it is funny the way that that stuff works, man. Um, it's really funny to, to look back and kind of like you said earlier that there's no way this stuff is a coincidence, like none, no Mm -hmm. way it's a coincidence. So tell me, uh, this isn't a one flesh podcast, but I'm interested about your, your marriage and your kid. How did you meet your wife? Um, how is that, you know, was a, uh, yeah, tell me a little bit about your marriage, and then I'll ask some more follow up questions here in a sec. Uh, so we we met back. I was nineteen, she was eighteen. Um, and again, this is one of those things that ain't coincidence. My my dad, when he retired out of the Navy, when he was uh, back in nineteen ninety one, he went to school to become a, a farrier and a horse dentist. Um, and I say that because there was this person that he used to shoe horses for uh, that I that I've known since I was about five years old, and. I lost contact with her whenever I hit high school and I stopped going on job sites with my dad when he'd drive all around and stuff. Cause I was doing sports and, and everything else. And I was able to drive myself around. So I wasn't at his mercy of his work schedule. Uh, well, whenever I dropped out um, after my stepdad killed himself and whatnot, and I entered into the, the, the workforce um, there was a, a vape store that I was working at. Um, and right there in the same complex was a daycare and that daycare the owner used to come in and buy stuff from us all the time. And we weren't a head shop. It was like a legitimate vape store back in 2015 when like vape shops were really kicking off. Conventions were going and stuff. 
Um, and so she came over one day and I won't say her name, but she came over one day and she said, uh, Hey, do you like kids? And I said, not really. <laughs> I said, <laughs> I, said I, I said, I like my family's kids, but like, not really even that much. I tolerate them. I was like, so I really can't stand other people's kids. And most of it has to do with the lack of respect and discipline that that's instilled upon them and stuff. It's not really the kid. I, I don't like the parents, you know? Yeah. 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 I said, okay, well, um, I'm looking for part-time work. And I looked at her, I said, did you not just hear what I said? <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, well, I know you. And I said, how do you know me? And she was like, your dad's Joe, uh, Joe Durbin. And I said, yeah. And she said, you don't remember? <laughs> She said, I'm so-and-so. Your dad shoes my horses. And I and it immediately clicked. I said, I thought you looked familiar. And I said, you know what? I'll give it a chance on a couple conditions. I won't do diapers, and I will not do a little kid, like, little kid room. I got to have the older kids so I can do sports with them and, and stuff like that. And she's like, all right. And I needed the money, right? So and I'm, I, I, if any time I could fill myself with work, I'm going to do it. And it worked out because I could work at one and go to the other literally right next door or whatever. So I was like, yeah, that's fine. And um, – Literally, like my my first or second week there, uh, I saw my I saw my now wife walking in. She just got out got out of a really bad car wreck. She slid in, she hydroplaned into an F one fifty, and oh. broke her leg, all of her ribs, and um, all this, which forced her to lose her job as a waitress at a, a barbecue place. And then, in turn, when she recovered, she needed a place to. Uh, become a daycare worker so she could have a help with her scholarship or something to go to school to be a teacher. And she ended up at that school. Well, at that time I was kind of whoring around, uh, just, you know, really giving into to lust and whatnot anywhere that I could. But as soon as I saw my wife, man, something, something, something changed. I saw her hobbling in on her boot and I just said, man, I said, I'm gonna marry that woman. Yeah. And I don't know. I wasn't looking for marriage with anybody. I wasn't looking for a commitment. I was just trying to have a good time, find the most beautiful woman I could, and just maybe twice, three times, and then, like, I ain't talking to you again. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I just immediately, I was like, man, I I, I want to marry that girl. And she didn't like me at, at all. <laughs> uh, you know, she was used to, to preppy college football player style people, and I'm a redneck who carries a gun, you know. Yeah. Um, so I, I just kept pursuing it and kept pursuing it. And she uh, eventually, eventually said, fine, I go on, you know, I'll, I'll go to this place. So I took her to this shindig after in like, no shit. It was a real deal. <laughs> took her to shindig, man. And um, out in Shelbyville at my buddy Irvin's place, who has a, a shindig once every September. And it's, it's all kinds of wild game, hay rods, um, it, beautiful, great place. So I took her there and, uh, she had a great time. I tricked her into eating uh, uh, squirrel brains and um, uh, uh, turtle stew and deep fried wild turkey, all kinds of good stuff. And I started getting indigestion. And I said, hey, I said, we need to go home. So we go home and I, I asked her while she was sitting on, I asked her to sit on my stomach to push the indigestion out so I could, <laughs> fucking, so I could fucking fart. And right after I let out a ginormous ass fart, I said, you going to be my girlfriend? <laughs> <laughs> and that's how it started. No shit. Oh man. So this <laughs> this is definitely getting named Autistic Monkey. That's the name of the uh that's the name <laughs> of the episode after that. <laughs> no, I'm that's got that's got to be the most uh it's it's funny but that's got to be the most Kentucky story I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> yeah, um, man. <laughs> I'm an open book, dude. <laughs> no, that's funny as hell. Um <laughs> Oh man, that's funny. 
Um, little just little side, little side note. Uh, whatever them uh them pills are that you take whenever you got indigestion, you yeah. take the the woman pills, man. Don't let the size and the color fool you. You don't need to take two of them. Just take fucking one. I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I'll fight you. It's funny, man. Awesome. Well, uh, <laughs> cool. So you met your wife, and uh, it's been uh, it's been love ever since, I guess. Yeah. Ever since I convinced her to go to the shindig, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, at least you met her at the shindig and not the family reunion, you know, coming from Kentucky, you know, you never know. <laughs> What's the difference? <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. So um, tell me a little bit about having a kid. Uh, you know, when did you get married and when did you have the kid? How quick after you got married did you have the kid or um, how did that work? So, um it was 2019 when I joined, so it was 2015 when we started dating. Uh, and part of the, you know, like I already mentioned earlier, I had that urge to serve, and I and I was like, man, I, I really can't shake it. But at the same time, simultaneously, I knew, like, I want to marry this woman. And in my eyes, a husband should be able to provide, he should be able to protect, and he should be able to love. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I already had protect and love down, but I did not have provide down. Um, I was able to provide for myself, but not her and, and let alone a family. So I said, all right, the the manly thing to do rather than than keep bitching about what I don't have. I need to make I need to make what I want happen, happen. And um, I, I told her I'm going to enlist. Um, and that was because I knew that I'd be able to fulfill the, the hole in my heart that uh, to, to serve that I never got to do. And I'm, I'm a firm believer. I do not want to look back and say, what if? So I, I, I was going to do it. And I knew that would provide me the stability to be able to provide. So those three things would be taken care of. So um, I was talking to her friends and my and my uh, one of my best friends back home. And I said, yo, we're going to go to Gatlinburg before I go. And we're going to make it seem like a last vacation kind of thing. But I'm going to propose to Whitney. And uh, they were like, all right, cool. And what ended up happening was we go down there and you're going to think this is funny, too. But like it's on camera and verifiable. So we go down there. My wife has no clue. Um, she's very, very uh, sheltered in a bubble, kind of how yeah, she was yeah. raised. I was not. So she, her street smarts aren't really there. Um, so we go. Everybody's tracking on what's going to go on. It's like her three best friends and my one best friend. We get down there to the cabin and stuff, yada, yada, yada. I had all these beautiful things in my head I was going to propose to her with, man. They're setting up inside the house and, and keeping her distracted. My boy walks out to the back deck with me. We got an Airbnb in the mountains down in Gatlinburg. And we were out near the hot uh, hot tub. And I was like, man, here's what I'm going to say. Said it to him, gay as hell, because looking at my best friend, <laughs> right? He was like, all right, I'm feeling a little creeped out. I'm going to, I'm going to, are you ready? And I was like, yeah, I'm ready. So he, he walks inside and I'm on my knee behind the door that's next to the hot tub. She walks out and opens the door. The words that come out of my mouth were not what I had in my head. I said, will you marry? (laughs) (laughs) And she slams the door in my face and starts crying like happy tears. And then I opened the door and I was like, uh, so, (laughs) (laughs) you know, all that girl stuff. And, and that's, that's when we got married. And then, you know, not long after that's when we got got engaged. And then when I came back from, from boot leave is when we actually had the marriage because we knew it wasn't going to be very long to, to do stuff and and in order to to start establishing what we needed to establish uh we were trying to knock it out as fast as possible we didn't want to do a courthouse wedding because we truly believed that you know a, a marriage is between us and god so we wanted to do it the right way 
and it really wasn't a big wedding. It was at my grandparents' farm, and it was, it was a great time, man. And then, you know, my Marine Corps career started. And then we had my daughter um, in December of 2020. That's awesome, man. Yeah, uh, that's uh that's really cool. I uh I'm a big fan of marriage. Uh big marriage guy. I like marriage uh quite a bit. Um tell me, you know, have you been able to find at least a little bit? I know finding that that guiding purpose uh is always really difficult and it, you know, I think that a purpose should encompass your ability to to like you said protect, provide and love. Um I think it should hit all of those um so if you're not providing in the lens of that purpose, then it, you're going to have a little bit of that angst, but have you been able to at least fulfill a little bit of that purpose with your family? You know, has it, has it, has it felt good having that family and that marriage to, to really ground you and, and, you know, give you something to live for? Absolutely. Um, I, I always knew what the term unconditional love meant, but I didn't feel it. Um, I didn't actually feel it until I had my daughter. And I think that that was just another thing that brought me closer to God um, to so to touch back, you know, then, and I'll round it out uh, on the uh, I'll come back to it. One of the, when my stepdad killed himself, um, I came home that night. And again, me and him were like this. Um, and this is yeah. kind of in my outlook on life. I kind of look at things a little different than most people. Um, and not because I'm special, but because I'm special. Um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I, I came home. It was it was a regular night. My my stepdad he didn't he didn't work until about ten o'clock in the morning, and then he'd be he wouldn't get home till about seven. Um, so he would be up a little bit later, and he was really good at building stuff and all this. So his garage was his workshop. So I, I came in through the garage and I said, "What's up, man?" Just bullshitted with him for a little bit, and uh, he was acting completely normal, just completely normal. And then um, I was like, "All right," I said, "Well, I'm gonna go upstairs. I'm gonna go to bed. I'll see you tomorrow." And he said, "All right, I'll see you tomorrow. Love you." Well, around three o'clock that morning, two o'clock, three o'clock, somewhere around there, I wake up to boots and like pretty deep, loud talking in, in my house. And at that time, I was doing some dumb shit with some dumb people. So I my brain automatically went to that, you know, yeah. and I was like, oh, shit. Um, but oh, hold on. So as I was as I was still awake around one o'clock, um, I, I heard a loud bang in the basement and it wasn't a gunshot style bang, but like something heavy fell off a shelf. And I rolled over and I looked at my boxer, my, my dog, Amy, at the time. And I said, should I go check on him? And then I thought about it. And I was like, no, nah, he probably just drops. Him. Well, now flash forward to the three o'clock. Um, I hear all that going on. And I start getting ready to go out the window because I'm thinking they're here for me. And then all of a sudden they, <laughs> yeah. they, oh, shit. So they come to the door and they try to open it. And they said, uh, layman. And I said, what? And they, they kept trying to come through. And I said, what do y'all want? And they said, it's about your stepdad. So immediately I came out there. And as soon as I opened the door, I just heard my mom like clutching their wedding book as hard as she possibly could crying a cry. I've never heard anybody cry before. And at yeah. this point I'm and because he struggled with alcoholism, like real bad, he would shake when he got home because he hadn't drank in so long. So yeah. he would drink, he would drink a 30 rack of beer. You wouldn't even be able to know except for the fact he wasn't shaking as much, but he'd stay away from liquor. So I assumed he drunk liquor, made a very stupid decision and killed himself driving on accident. Yeah. Well, then I, uh, as, as I started walking out there, I realized, no, he, he killed himself. That was just the feeling that I had. And then they told me that he hung himself down in the basement and I could tell by the way, my mom was crying that she, she was the one that found him. And obviously she's the only one in the house, but the crying was what gave it away. And I kind of zoned out on the wall for like, like, I don't know how long, but I zoned out on the wall and immediately I started thinking to myself, yo, I heard that shit. And I didn't realize yeah. it. He, he kicked the air compressor out from under himself. But what, what, what was going through my mind was not the damn, I should have done something. It was okay. 
step back and realize if I would have went down there, he would have, I could have been scarred with him, with the image of him on his last breath. Or I could have went down there, made no difference at all. Or three, I could have went down there, stopped him, and then just prolonged the inevitable to a time to where I really didn't need it to happen more in the future. So, yeah. um, and, and, and my faith had a lot to do with that. So people used to tell me, I'm going to get angry. I'm going to get upset. I'm going to get pissed off. And I never did. I, I never did genuinely. Like I definitely got upset, but I never got pissed off at him. I never got angry at him or God. I just accepted what was in that moment. And then I grieved and I thanked God for the time that I had with him while he was there. And I still have him tattooed on my chest and, and I love him and I'm thankful for what he offered me. Now to flash forward, when I had my daughter, that was probably the biggest moment that brought me closer to God other than that moment because it taught me what unconditional love feels like. And that's what God loves us like. Yeah. Um, and so having a family, man, it, it, it gives you a sense of duty and a sense of purpose that being a single man, it doesn't matter what you do as a single man. You will never have that sense of duty and that sense of purpose that you have when you have a family. Yeah. You know, no, I, I feel that heavy, man. Um, and I appreciate you sharing that. I know it's can't be easy. I know you said you're an open book, but I know that that's not easy stuff to share. So I appreciate you sharing that. And, um, you know, I agree with you heavily. I, you know, my wife, uh, it's a, it's a big struggle with, um, you know, the idea of, you know, loving, loving your wife unconditionally. And, and a lot of men don't really get it. I mean, they just don't, mm -hmm. um, as far as what, you know, true, I think traditional Christian love really means to, to love your wife unconditionally and to not even think of divorce as an option. Um, I can't even imagine, you know, having, having the kid and all that, having that added on and, and the feelings that, that come with that. And I think that a lot of guys, um, it, it's sad for me to realize that some guys will go through this, you know, go through this life, never knowing that. Um, and you know, some dudes our age, I feel like they're very, I feel like they're very mistaken by not pursuing that genuinely with a full heart, you know? Um, I, you know, for me, I think it makes me better in every, in every single way. Um, you know, I've, I've got a really good job. I make really good money, but it's also not the most fulfilling thing in the world. But what makes it most, you know, more fulfilling is the fact that I get to provide for that, that wife and family, you know? Um, so it's, it's, uh, I definitely feel you and I appreciate you appreciate you sharing that because I think it means a lot. And I hope that young men listening to that, um, understand that that's what, that, that is what it feels like when you do it right. And when you approach it with the right mindset, um, it, there truly is nothing better than, you know, um, having that, that marriage and that, and that responsibility of a family. So. Have you, um, to go off what you just said, have you ever read Black Hawk Down? Uh, no, I haven't read Black Hawk Down. No, sir. So I, I assume you've seen the movie, right? It's been a long time, man. I apologize. I I should know it a little bit better. And I'm not a vet. I don't know if you know, but I'm not a, I'm not a veteran or anything. I don't know if you assumed I was. Not that it matters. I mean, everybody's no. seen Black Hawk Down, but no, I just know you're an American, and, and most Americans have seen it. You know. Yeah, yeah, I, I have. <laughs> it's it's been a long time, but well, so um uh the, the in the book it it talks about some of the things the movie just just couldn't show, and um, one of those things that it highlights was the difference in the in the strategy of the Somalis and the way they fought and the way that the Americans fought. Um, and one of the things that it uses, and, and this goes to your point on, on nothing is fulfilling to you as much as that role. Um, and I think it, it, it'll round out when I say this, the, the way that the Somalis fought 
there is a actual point on a turret to where it can no longer angle down, right? It, it can only angle down at a certain at a certain angle, um, and and then no longer if you get within within that angle that's below my palm, it it physically can't harm you anymore. Well, right. uh, the Somalis obviously um, in the movie shows that how much the convoys would stop and how slow they had to go and stuff, but in the book it really highlights. The Somalis did not want to get eaten up by the 50 cal, but they also didn't care because they would run right up to the vehicle trying to get under it so they could actually engage the person on top, drop grenades down, do whatever without being hit by the 50 because they had no fear of losing their life. And some people argue that's the best way to fight because you have no fear. You'll 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 just act. Well, the Americans and, and most people resonate with this when you have something and I'm a true believer of this. When you have something that is worth making it back to, you're going to fight smarter. You're going to fight yeah. harder. You're not just going to act. You're going to act with, with some, some kind of brains behind you. And, and I think that that just, even without the warfare topic, just in life, I think that that highlights whenever you're, you know, whenever you have a family, every risk you take now has to be calculated because it, yeah. it, it's no longer a selfless or it's no longer a, a um, a, a decision that only affects you that you can pull yourself out of every decision you make is going to affect your family. And, and as a man, we have to be able to calculate those in the risk versus reward. And, and I don't think there's anything better that teaches somebody how to do that than, than having people that look to them for just to put it primitively survival and not just survival, but, but to thrive, you know, like I can have a daughter and, and her ribs show because I'm not providing enough food. That doesn't mean I've done my job. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I agree with that. And, you know, it's kind of difficult because I, I heard something, um, you know, fighting smart and definitely setting yourself up for more success and being a little bit more cautious. I think it, it definitely does in life. You know, for me, I was a lot willing to take, uh, or I was willing to take more risk, uh, before I had a wife and had somebody to provide for, you know, um, and I'm still, I'm still very, willing to take risks as far as my career goes and making different, you know, money and stuff like that. Um, but it does make you think it does make you recalculate. I saw something, um, and it's far beyond it to me, you know, far beyond it for far beyond me to, uh, to judge anything about being a warrior an actual like physical fighter in war. Um, you know, the, the worst fight that I've ever had was with the handicapped dude for the, for the big stall. Um, but, um, I saw something with, uh, I think it was Jocko and maybe, mad dog or something like that where they were talking about like you need to be willing to die to be like the best warrior you can be or like you need to not fear death at all to be the best warrior you can be and i and i get that to a certain extent but i'm also like man it it does just seem like i mean they fought in ramadi i I wouldn't i wouldn't know what that's like to be shot at i really wouldn't like at all um the handicap he didn't have a gun it was just you know me and him in the stall but um i just put his wheel locks on that's all i did is i got once i got to the wheel lock um i was like ha, ah, this sucks to suck but no um no you know it it would make sense to me if somebody had a counter argument saying no um i fought a lot harder knowing that i had something to come back to um mm. and and you know let's even take warfare out of it let's say we're not even talking about warfare at all um i know that um it definitely helps for a lot of men with uh that struggle with you know like lifelong depression or something like that i don't know if you're on wi-fi but you're cutting out a little bit on me i don't know um hold on can am i am i cutting out still uh you're a little bit better there so Here, hold on. Hey, maybe i was a little bit far from it sorry i, I don't mean to ruin your ruin your vibe no, there no you're good um, bro but uh no just 
you know, even taking the physical warfare out of it, I think the mental warfare, especially, you know, like what we call a, a mental health crisis amongst men that is, it's almost sadly, everything is a buzzword nowadays, but um, it's almost a buzzword, the mental health crisis for men that gets used and abused by, um, you know, pimps like Andrew Tate person, you know, I don't really like him, but um, all these issues that we see coming up with men, I think a lot of those um, being able to dive into a family. And, and you know, I talked about, I said something about, you know, family being like the ultimate purpose or the ultimate feeling or ultimate feeling of fulfilled, the ultimate, uh, God, my words are not coming to me at all. Um, being fulfilled, you know, I think there is something to be found in Christ as well to where you can yeah. be just as fulfilled, uh, or if not more fulfilled than having a family, because most people are supposed to center their family on Christ anyway. Um, yeah. I'm not really educated enough of a Christian to make those connections yet, um, to, to bring them up yet, but uh, I think there's something there, but yeah, I, I, I fully support it. And like I said, it makes me sad to see some of my best buddies that, uh, that don't want anything to do with a family or a wife and a kid. Cause I'm like, man, imagine how much better it, it could make you. It, it made, it made me 10 times better. Um, 100%. So. Well, see, I think, um, per personally, I think family, if, if somebody truly, and this isn't, I know some people are going to take this as me saying, Oh, you don't believe in God. You can't be a good father. No, I'm not saying that, but, I think that that the more you immerse yourself into um, what it means to be a father and what it means to be a husband and truly leading by example, I think the closer it brings you to God and and something that I don't care what anybody tells you, the more you try, because at the end of the day, you know, I have to love God more than I love my wife and more than I love my kid. I have to, because without him, there is no them. And and the more that people just accept that and realize that that's not God being selfish, that's because unconditional love. And that's where I said that brought me closer to God was feeling what unconditional love felt like. The more that I bring myself closer to God, the more of a better father I am and the more of a better husband I am, because you're right. You can be um, you can be single and have no family. And, and if you have God and you truly are seeking him, not just. I believe in him because even the demons believe in God. It's just, they also will one day bow. Um, you know, the, the, the more you try to seek out the father for who he is and, and build your intimate relationship with him and stop looking at him like a formal being. And instead you look at like, for example, I learned this not too long ago. Do you know that, that the, um, that they didn't actually call him father. They called him Abba. And, and, and what Abba actually means, it's the, it's the same thing as when a two-year-old runs at you screaming, Daddy. Yeah. Um, that is the relationship we're meant to have with, with the Heavenly Father. So a lot, of, a lot of people have this formal relationship with God. And, and a lot of times I did too in my life. But the more that I realized that he's essentially, for a lack of a better terms, like Daddy, yeah. the, the more helps my intimate relationship with him and the more it helps my faith and just the terms of me just trusting him, you know, even when the plan doesn't seem to make sense. And, and just like with the whole, like the Marine Corps thing that I was going through, the plan didn't make sense to me, to my heaven, to, to my worldly mind. It did not make sense. Like, why am I being put in this position to uphold a belief that I have in you and put my family at risk when not, this isn't working out for anybody. Like yeah. this is on damn sure going to fuck me and in turn fuck my family and maybe at that time ruin 
the family that I've built because who knows? I mean, rightfully so. My wife could have held me responsible for the position we would have been in. Right. But I still had to hold that faith in him and it worked, you know, and and it's just all that to say that the more that you bring yourself to God, the more you're going to realize your family life being better. And I'm a big, big, big believer of that. Like without a doubt. Yeah, no, something that got told to me because um, I had a little bit of an issue with it at first, you know, centering my marriage on God and all that. Um, I had a little bit of a of a pride issue with it. And one thing that, that got said to me is uh, you can't be her savior because you'll end up failing her. Um, mm-hmm. And once that kind of hit me heavy, I was like, well, damn, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. I, guess, I guess you're kind of right. You know, I, I can't really be her savior. So um because you know i'll i'll fail and fail often um and so yeah so um yeah i i can't yeah i i agree with all points basically so um man i think this has been a really good pod uh i I don't know really where else to take it what's what's next actually i do know where else to take it what's next man um what do you have uh next what's the career aspirations um when are you getting back to Kentucky? I'm assuming you're still in what North Carolina is that where you're at Lejeune? Yeah. Okay. So what's next? So, uh, b- before I before I move on to that, just on the on the marriage thing, one last thing for for any any fathers and husbands that might be watching this. Um, a lot of times when we're trying to bring our wife, so it says in the in, in Genesis that it's a man's job to love a woman and a woman's job to respect a man, and as a man the biggest thing that we strive for in any relationship that we have with anyone on this planet, um, it, it has to do with respect. All men want is respect. We don't need credit, but we, we demand and yearn for respect. Well, when it comes to a relationship with a woman, it says we're supposed to love her. Specifically, a woman will not give us the respect until we show them that we have given them the love. So if the woman isn't showing you the respect that you are owed and you know that you are giving her that love and true love, then that is the easy answer for any of the men here that might be struggling. Is this worth it or not? Is this the one? And that doesn't mean, you know, go ahead and leave your wife, but put that, that thought process to the test whenever you might be going through a hard time of, is this woman the right one for me? Um, If you're bringing, if you're trying to bring your woman closer to God also, because we should, as men, we're supposed to be the bridge. We're never going to be worthy of crossing it. But one day, we're going to get the opportunity to if God sees fit. So we need to build the bridge while we try to bring people across it. And one of those is our family. We owe it to our family and we're not going to get into heaven without also trying to at least influence our immediate circle to also get into heaven. And it has been a little bit of a struggle to get my wife on board at certain parts, uh, specifically where it says that, that a woman is supposed to submit to her husband, right? Because modern day, you've hit on it, the mental health crisis on men, it truly is. And there's a constant attack on men and and people don't like to hear that submit to the husband thing. So I explained it to her. It doesn't mean that everything I say, you're my slave and you better listen. But what it means is out of respect, the respect that I deserve or that I deserve because I've earned it through love to you, right? Mm Because we are equal, but I am the head of the household. I, I have earned that position. You married me which means that you see me worth respecting. That's what it means submitting to. At the end of the day, you understand I lead this household. So any of the men that might be struggling in their relationships and their, and their marriages or whatnot, 
you know, these are the things that have saved my marriage. And these are the things that have saved me as an individual because, man, I'm telling you, you can't do this without him at any point yeah. in your life. Um, but to answer your question, my bad. I just wanted to end on that with the marriage. Thing. No, um, no, I'd, I'd like to keep going on that. Um, it's important yeah. to be, be worth, you know, just to add on to what you're saying, it's important to be worth submitting to. Um, and, you know, I know a lot of you guys and it, it was true with myself. Um, and it is true on a micro level on a daily basis that um, I'm not worth a damn to be submitted to. Um, right. You know, it, it was even more true uh, you know, two years ago. Um, and now I'm making improvements and, um, earning that respect, like what you've talked about, but, uh, before you go, and I'm not saying this is what you're, what you're recommending, but, um, why don't you give it at least eight to eight months to a year of being worth a shit, uh, before you really worry about your, about your wife submitting to you, um, you know, take ownership, um, and submitting is not just about doing the dishes. Uh, submitting is about, a true um, leadership uh, perspective, uh, a true leadership um, partnership with your wife. Uh, yep. You know, why don't you do all of the house chores for a year uh, and earn that respect and do everything that you can to run a, a nice household and see uh, how well that goes for you. I promise it'll go really well. You know what I mean? Um, yep. Like, and I, that, that was worded badly. Uh, what I'm saying is it, be worth submitting to, um, yeah. do, do the dishes, take the trash out. Uh, don't, you know, drink a 12 rack every night and play video games with the boys. Um, yep. be, be worth a damn and, uh, and see where that gets you first before you, um, try to come down with some Andrew Tate bullshit about how, you know, you're supposed to run the house. And I guarantee you that's not what layman's talking about. I just wanted to qualify that on top of there and say my piece is that that's not what layman's talking about is, is, you know, all women must submit. And I know he said that, but um, I know for a fact, what he means is that we take it upon ourselves first to, to be worth yeah. submitting to. So Yeah. Because if, if, if you realize if, if as a man, if you realize that you're never going to be worthy, but you, you, if, if you realize that you're never going to be worthy, but you strive for it, it will in turn make you an inherently better and more worthy person to be respected. What you said was pretty spot on what I was saying, brother. Yeah, no, I, I think I think we fully agree, and uh, I think it's it's important for a lot of men because I I think you know a lot of men are being uh, what do they call that the uh, emasculate. Yeah, yeah, emasculate. Thank you for the <laughs> the uh, syllables are hard. Um, so uh, no, a lot of men are being emasculated at a, at a very high degree, but yep. I also think that um, it wouldn't surprise me at all if somebody came out with a data or study that said that that came from years and years and years of, of not being worth, um, worth being emasculated, not emasculated, you know, um, that wouldn't, that wouldn't surprise me at all of if that came from, if that was on the responsibility, if that was on the shoulders of men before us that didn't do yep. the right things to actually be submitted to and to be propped up as a leader of the household. So if you think you're being emasculated, um, why don't you grow some balls and actually be a man worth being submitted to? So yep. um, that's all I've got to say. So um, go on. What, what's, what's next layman after we, after we just, uh, after we just gave the stern talking to you to all the, all the young men listening um, what's, what's next for you, man. What, what are the next steps? Um, well, the uh, I'm about to let my job know, um, which I'm not worried about because none of them follow my social media. So I'm not worried about saying it. I'm about to 
God know, and to any of the viewers, I could really appreciate your prayers um, and I could really use them. Um, <clears throat> I can't shake that that sense of urge and that sense of duty still, and I'm still trying to figure it out. But uh, I have a couple of interviews back home in Kentucky for this early September for a couple of different agencies. Um, I hate cops in the sense that Benjamin Franklin did with the healthy distrust for authority. Um, so I think that I'll be a good one because my track record already shows that in the face of adversity and real punishment, I will not fold on my oath to the constitution. And, um, you know, I, I'm a firm believer that for evil to prevail, good men just have to stay silent and stand by and do nothing. So I figure that one of the best ways to do that and to, um, make a change is within my own community. And so I'm going to try to do that back home. I'm, I'm praying real hard that, that I can get accepted. Um, it's definitely going to suck. My, my body is in pain every single day, even when I'm not doing anything, but you know, my mental pain is, is a lot worse than my, than my physical pain ever since I got out, just because of the fact that I'm not doing what is fulfilling and I'm not doing what I feel like God is drawing me to do. So, um, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to try to go up there. I'm going to, I'm going to try to get hired on somewhere. I'm going to uphold my oath again, if I'm fortunate enough to, to be blessed with the position. And uh, I'm obviously going to continue to do the YouTube and the Instagram with, with my boys because, you know, I'm a firm believer that influence is one of the best ways to change things. And the founding fathers, you know, people look at uh, social media like a cancer because it is, um, but also, with social media, you don't need to send out three Paul Revere's in one night to scream the British are coming. Um, you know, you can you can communicate in ways that the founders could only dream of. So instead of bitching about the cancer that is inherent with social media, we should use it as a positive to build. And that's that's what I'm going to keep doing. Um, if the law enforcement stuff doesn't work out, then honestly, I don't know what what's going to happen because my lease is ending up here in November here in uh, North Carolina and. If I stay, if I don't get hired on, I'm going to have to stay with the place that I'm at. And it's, it's good over there, but it's just not fulfilling. And it's, it's really kind of eating me up alive. Um, so I really don't know what would be there from that. But if I do get hired on at one of these agencies, I'll be able to move back to Kentucky um, either before November or, or in November. And then uh, early January, mid-January, I'd be able to um, start with one of the agencies at their academy. And then, you know, go from there. And my and my goal is, is to get on to if they have one or start uh, through hard work and perseverance and, and God's help and anti-human trafficking. Unit. Um, oh, awesome. Yeah, I have a I have a I've always hated that uh, strong word. I'm sorry. Um, I've always really, really, really disliked people that are into that kind of thing. Um, so I want to be able to do something that lets me partake in arresting people that I actually believe constitutionally should be arrested. And especially after having a family, man, I, I can't even read a story about people being affected by that without wanting to break down in tears. And I don't, but I want to, because it, it hurts to even think about if that were to ever, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I don't even say the words because I don't want to put it out there, but like, I, I just can't imagine. So if I can even make a difference in just a couple people's lives, man, I want to, you know, that's awesome, man. Yeah. Look up, uh, do you know, Andy stump, um, yeah. from cleared hot, he's doing a lot, um, with those guys right now, some, some anti-human trafficking type thing. 
um that he's got going on uh you may check his stuff out see if there's any opportunities with him but no that's that's awesome man i i fully support you in that and uh you will be in my prayers at the very least so um, I thank you yes sir no i hope i hope that you get back there and uh, i know as we've talked about that whatever happens um hopefully you keep your faith and understand yep. that it's all for a plan so um which is a new concept to me that's a that's a concept that um hit me about as early as may <laughs> so but i know that you've got it down to down to maybe a little bit of a science and an art now so with all the stuff that you've been through but layman i think that uh we've had a really good pod go ahead and uh make sure that everybody knows your socials again where do they find you yeah um the you can find me on instagram with uh the, i run it with two other guys but you won't ever see their names and, and their faces are always covered because they're in they're doing some pretty high speed shit um me i'm just a autistic monkey so i don't care uh but you <laughs> b as in bravo a is in alpha n is in november the the number zero literally like that oval that's not a complete circle and then d is in delta i is in india v is in victor and then on youtube you can find us at uh just bano so b-a-n zero um and on facebook it's just my name if, if anybody wants to find me on facebook um, and, and if you don't mind, I was going to say, uh, do you, do you mind if, uh, I lead us in a quick prayer out of here? Yeah, go ahead, man. Uh, dear Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the food that, that we've received today. We thank you for the time that we've been able to discuss these real issues. We thank you for everyone that is listening and those who might've zoned out and fell asleep through our conversation. Um, we, we thank you for all the blessings that we receive, the ones that we are conscious of and the ones that we are not conscious of. And we ask for your continued strength to make it through every situation that you put us through. And we ask for your, your intelligence and hindsight. Anytime we look back on a situation and we pray Lord that you continue to forgive us, even when we are not worthy and when we are not deserving of it. And we ask that you please give Jesus a ginormous high five for the sacrifice that he gave for our sins. Um, we, we know that that was not easy. And we ask that on judgment day, you show us mercy for what's in our heart for you and not for what's our heart on the surface. Amen. Amen. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Everybody. Uh, that was Layman Derman with, uh, Bano Div or, uh, the boys, um, Here. autistic monkey also known as, um, so anyway, guys, uh, that was uh, the Sunday series of the purpose podcast. Uh, tune in on Wednesdays for the one flesh series of the purpose podcast. That's where we talk all about marriage. 100%. Um, how to find a girlfriend, how to make her your wife, uh, how to build a marriage worth having and worth keeping, uh, one that stays together. So maybe we'll have Layman back on uh, the One Flesh series here in the future. Um, but yeah, go check that out. Go follow me at uh, at the underscore purpose podcast. Uh, if you liked this episode, go leave me a five-star review. Um, do that on the Spotify's and it'll help me out a little bit. Uh, go share it on the Instagram. If you didn't like this episode, don't go leave a bad review send me an Instagram DM and tell me what needs to be different. All right. Don't go leave a one-star review. Um, you go do that shit to Joe Rogan. Okay. Um, don't do it to me. Um, he's got, he's got the numbers to be able to recover. I don't, you leave me one, you leave me a one-star review and I'm, I'm screwed. So, um, but anyway, guys, uh, yeah, I appreciate y'all listening and we'll catch you on the next one. Good seeing you, brother. Yes, sir.